0: This is Gospel on the Ground, a podcast from Trinity Bible Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a collection of testimonies of Trinity members for Trinity members. Today's guests are Rob and Sandy Hirsch. When I got this equipment, really what I wanted to do first is just talk to to these guys because I get a chance to, to to visit with them every once in a while, and I always leave encouraged. So I wanted to spend some time just, Rob, very simply, uh, how did you become a Christian?
1: Very simply was I was raised in a uh, Christian family, went to a Baptist church, uh, went forward when I was about 14, was baptized, and then uh, after high school, went to junior college. My church friends... Uh, went away to college, I, I stayed uh, in the area, and uh, basically um, found out that uh, people in the world have lives and have fun too, <laughs> and uh, came to the point where uh, I realized that I, I had no goals in life and things like that. Um, actually went out and bought a new Bible went to Wednesday night service, we were going through 1 Peter, uh, but still that uh, wasn't uh, sufficient uh, for me, and I, and I didn't understand uh, basically what it means to have a relationship with Christ. I knew what religion was, I knew what church was, I knew how to be good, but then once my friends went away, and after I finished junior college and moved down to San Diego, And uh, the only friends I had were non-Christians and uh, went the way of the world, basically, uh, for about two years. And uh, then the Lord got a hold of my life, and I came to understand what a relationship with the Lord meant. And so um, from basically about 1973 until now, I've been pursuing what it means to have a relationship with the Lord and that meant for me uh, try to get to know His Word as best as I could and uh, He has blessed me uh, for all these years, Uh, gave me a wonderful wife, gave me things that I never thought I'd ever have like a wife, a house, kids, um, and why He has blessed me so with those blessings, let alone salvation, is a mystery that uh, I will be asking him when we get to uh, heaven?
0: Yeah uh, what kind of a church was it that you were saved in?
1: Uh, I was actually what happened was I was playing beach volleyball one day, and this guy uh, didn't know very well, uh, called me up on a, on a Sunday and said, this Calvary Chapel was going to have a concert on Monday night. Did I want to go? But um, I told him no. And so I got in the shower, but the previous night, uh, this old girlfriend who I had, I had a dream about her. And she just so happened to be the pastor's daughter that I dated for three or four years Mm -hmm. at the Baptist church. And she basically, in this dream, said, you got about three weeks to decide what to do with your life. Hmm. And so I was in the shower and all of a sudden that came back to me. And for some reason, this fear came over me. Hmm. Got out of the shower and called this guy back up and said, all right, I'll go with you tomorrow night. Hmm. So we went to this concert and people were sitting there standing singing. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands (laughs) and I'm sitting there and I'm just sitting here's about 1600 people and they're all standing and I know the routine, you know, oh, there's one pray for him, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I did that for 18 years. There's no life in that at all. That, that I want nothing to do with just singing those songs and things like that. And so anyway, uh, I just sat there and uh, the next week he asked me to go again and I didn't hesitate. I went again and then the third week he asked me to go again and um it wasn't anything that the uh, pastor was saying, because he was basically preaching out of Surfer Magazine. Mm. Um, and but in hindsight now, I just see it was the Holy Spirit really working in my life, saying, you know, if you want to find life, it's in me. And so basically, that third week, I went and found somebody to pray with, and my life was radically changed so much so that my two roommates even commented on it and said we can really see that your uh, countenance and your demeanor has really changed mm. and i said why don't you come to church with me mm. no thanks <laughs> and so anyway uh, uh it was at a calvary chapel but i don't think it was necessarily the church or i think it was truly the holy spirit working in my life yeah. um and because of uh, some of the doctrinal issues that were different from the Baptist church I was uncertain of, I actually went to a Baptist church that was just down the street from where I was living, mm. and unfortunately, I got the feeling that the pastor just wasn't so much interested in me as interested to have somebody sitting in his pew. Mm. And so then I kept on going to the uh, Calvary Chapel mm. and... uh actually started going to church seven nights a week seven <laughs> nights a week yeah and uh not that the teaching was great or anything but uh i came to understand like what peter said in john 6 he says you know jesus asked him you know all these other disciples are starting to depart and jesus asked him well will you leave also and peter says where else can we go for you have the words of eternal life mm-hmm. and uh That was one of the first uh, segments of Scripture that really stuck with me, Mm. and it stuck with me all these years, that I truly have no other place to go. Another one was that Jesus says, Peace give I to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. So Jesus is not denying that there's a type of peace that the world will give you. And I did find that in a sense, but the problem was I had to get up and drink and smoke in the morning, Mm. just like the night before, you know, to get that peace back. But this new peace that Jesus had given to me was just a, 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 the peace was there, but there's huge hunger Mm. just to know who this God was. And basically, uh, for some reason, I committed my life to try and understand what that was. Mm. And um, there's a lot of mysteries in the path that we took, you know, why... um, we didn't really get a lot of doctrinal training, you know, for years, you mm-hmm. know, in fact, not until we, uh, basically, uh, moved here to Phoenix. Yeah. We... So what, what brought you out to Phoenix? Um, what brought us out to Phoenix was, uh, I had, uh, got laid off from my job. Uh, we, uh, I, I shouldn't say we, Sandy had basically watched over her mom for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten White, her mom, lived in another place. And then we uh, had a place that had a granny flat on. And so she lived with us for about 10 years. But she got to the point where <clears throat> Sandy couldn't take care of her that much more. And so she moved back to <clears throat> Indiana with Sandy's brother. And so now we have this place, and the <clears throat> uh, granny flat's empty, and our boys are out. Mm. And um, the churches that we had gone to uh, went off in a seeker-friendly uh, direction, which was very disappointing to us. Uh, and so we started looking around for another church, but we were going to have to drive 45 minutes to an hour. We go, well, you, do we want to do that? So what we did was I put together about 15 cities across the United States. Sandy researched churches for me <laughs> and for herself. Uh, I, I looked at the you know, retirement, economics of it, the weather, things like that. And so we narrowed it down to about three. Uh, we went up to Washington State, spent a week up there and, uh, in Spokane, thinking that we'd move up there because uh, at the time we were going to move my mother up there to be near my oldest brother, but uh, that logistically didn't work out. And so uh, basically Sandy said, well, if we move up to Spokane, if the Lord would take you home, I'll be out of there in six months. <laughs> I said, so where would you stay so you don't have to relocate? And she said, Phoenix. Hmm. I said, okay, we'll move to Phoenix. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's how we got here to Phoenix about nine years ago. Nine
0: years ago. Yes. And how did you meet Sandy?
1: Um, like I said, uh, when the Lord got a hold of my life, because it was him getting a hold, reaching out and getting a hold of me, you know, through various different circumstances that we won't go into now. But Mm -hmm. um, basically, like I said, I came to a place. I have no other place to go. And I'm sitting there going, I need to know my Bible. So they had this uh, Bible school at this Calvary Chapel. So I was working part-time and going to this Bible school. And Sandy was living up in Orange County and actually heard about the school. And so she moved down with a friend and came to the school too. And she and I ended up being prayer partners. Hmm. And then at the end of the school, uh, they had an opportunity to do different type of, um, mission outreaches and stuff. And so Sandy and I were a part of this group that went over to Thailand to work with an orphanage. Oh, wow. And that's where we got together. Um, uh, Sandy stayed there, or what should I say? I stayed there while Sandy and these other people came home, and I went down to Singapore and worked with the Billy Graham crusade hmm. uh, for about two and a half months. Wow. Uh, when I came home, I was very confused. Uh, unfortunately, my friends at that time uh, saw that Sandy wasn't a beach bunny and wasn't athletic and uh, they were trying to dissuade me from being involved with her. Hmm. Uh, said that it wasn't a good fit. But the thing that attracted me to Sandy was her relationship with the Lord. Mm. And that was the biggest draw I, I had towards her, you know, was because uh, I had just this drive in me saying that I need to know the Lord. And I was trying to get to know the Lord best I could. And so through other circumstances, we got back together. And then in 1980, we were married. Mm.
0: Sandy, do you remember meeting Rob?
2: I do remember meeting Rob. Yep. I, I can remember the shirt he had on. Oh. And What I liked was, out of all those guys there, he loved hymns. Mm. And I loved hymns. All right. And so we had gone to a little uh, day trip with a missionary from that church that worked at the Tijuana garbage dump. There was people that lived there. There was like a housing, you know, horrible Mm -hmm. thing. And we would go down there and wash the kids' hair because they had lice and stuff. And I think you might have given them haircuts or something. But we washed their hair. We did various things. Another time we went on a trip where we built a little chapel there and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But coming home... We, were singing, we sang hymns in the van. No, nobody else, you know, they're kind of into it, but not everybody. And I'm yeah. like,
1: oh, this guy likes
2: hymns. This is a really good thing.
3: Uh, well, <laughs> let,
1: let me say a little bit about hymns. Is that because yeah. growing up in the Baptist church, we sang a lot of hymns. Sure. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was singing. Sure. Yeah. And so then afterwards, uh, when the Lord got a hold of my life, I'd wake up at 2 in the morning and put this radio station on called KECR. And they were playing these hymns. Mm. And all of a sudden, the meaning of the words of these hymns came to me. You know, like, um, <clears throat> come thou fount. You know, I'm prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. And I go, that's me. Yeah. And then, uh, here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know, and that was my prayer. And so all these hymns came back that I had no clue about during those 18 years. Mm. And the words were really ministering to me, you know. And so, yeah, I do love hymns. And that, since you're the worship leader, <laughs> I'll just let you know I love hymns. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Well, you're in good, you're in good company. <laughs> yes, I love hymns too.
2: That's my first uh, thing with that, and one of my sweetest memories I can remember of our raising our boys was every night Rob in there, in their room singing hymns, singing. Mm. John just none of us can sing. We have the worst. <laughs> we have, can't, are totally tone deaf, and you could just hear John belting out. Uh, what was the...
1: It is swell with my soul. Yeah, it is swell. <laughs> it, it is it swell well.
2: with my <laughs> yeah. soul. And it just... Yeah. And so now when you go in his house, he's got a, it is well with my oh, soul. Good. Yeah. yeah, so... Hymns uh... have meant a lot to us in our lives. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: And, and uh, So she first met me at this Bible school and stuff. Yeah. So then what happened, once we got married, um, I still had this strong urge to know my Bible better. And so Sandy was willing to, uh, move with me out to Dallas, Texas and went to uh, a Bible school for two years. And the premise of the Bible school was not for vocational ministry, but to s- strengthen the laity mm-hmm. in the church, which fitted me perfectly. Yeah. And so she waited tables out there to, you know, bring home change so that I can go to school, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh. So I had had this drive, you know, just... And fortunately, she got to attend some of the classes, too.
2: Yeah, they let the wives uh, attend any class she could for free. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it and was And so awesome.
1: um, that's where I was first introduced to Calvin's Institutes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after two years, you know, uh, we talked to the head of school, well, what do I do now, you know? And uh, this bit of advice that he gave me stuck with me all these years he said why don't you go back and get your job back in san diego start a family and see what the lord does
3: Hmm.
1: i said okay that sounds good yeah so i went back and i was working in a golf manufacturing uh company uh prior uh to us even being married and uh the guy that asked me to go to these concerts he uh he he was the plant manager, but there were, when I started there, there were only five of us. Mm-hmm. We got up to 1200 people. Whoa. Um, but anyway, um, I took this the head of the school's advice, went there and, uh, Sandy, uh, almost immediately got pregnant. I was making minimum wage, mm-hmm. no insurance. <laughs> and yeah, we saw what God did. And, uh, oh. God, uh, I, I like to say this is that my career has God's thumbprint all over it, because mm. um, I was uh, worked work there, like I said, uh, uh, basically at the very bottom. And one of the first things that happened was they were looking for somebody to oversee all manufacturing. They brought out an efficiency expert, and he said, "You got too many chiefs out there for the number of Indians you got. You just need one person." Mm-hmm. So the plant manager went to the five guys that he had put out there, and each of them turned it down. Hmm. And so he came to me and said, you want to oversee manufacturing? I said, sure, I'll do that. And from there, I worked my way all the way up to, uh, I shouldn't say I worked it up, God's hand again was upon it, that uh, I um, gained enough experience that they moved me out of overseeing manufacturing and uh, to be a liaison between the suppliers and the production floor and from there uh, miraculously no engineering degree or design degree they asked me to create a new product line and I said why are you looking at me and they said just do it (laughs) and so I worked with another guy and uh, we created the product line that ended up being the um, best-selling irons in the world at the time Mm. and because of that they made me vice president of research and development and uh you know uh,
2: how many years were you there
1: i was there about 33 34 years Uh, then we got bought out um, and our brand diminished again and so the head of a 1.2 billion dollar corporation came to me again and i said hey, we need a new product line for Cobra because things haven't gone very well uh, because they'd brought somebody else in to head up R&D. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, created the product line, and we went from about uh, $25 million in sales up to about $205 million in sales. <laughs> and, you know, you just go... That's why, in a sense, I say when, when those employees at Cobra Golf get to heaven, they're going to answer to God saying you saw who you chose to head up this program you know it wasn't him Uh and you it it was the hand of God that uh, allowed me to do that Uh, most companies you know like Callaway at the time they had like 200 people in R&D you know TaylorMade had about 60 I had four guys working (laughs) for me Mm. And uh, and the first time it was just two of us. We created this whole product line, and it took off. Yeah. And that's why I say I, I really feel God's thumbprint is all over my career. Yeah. And I give Him the credit for any success I had.
2: In those last years, I can't remember how many years it was. He became what his main thing was. He traveled over to Asia. They made the product there. So he spent his life really going back and forth to China, Taiwan, Thailand, yeah. uh, back and forth, back and forth, every month. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I probably made 75 trips over to Asia. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a lot of time on planes. That's one thing, you know, that uh, I'd like to encourage young people in this is that, uh, you know, the, I forget where I was reading... Uh, just the other day Alistair beg had a message about uh, and I think it, it was in Ephesians talking about you know m- how you manage your time mm. and man I, I wish I would have been had people around me to encourage me more to know how to manage my time you you got a 15 hour plane ride you can read your Bible a lot mm. I slept
3: mm.
1: you know and I wish I would have taken a greater advantage of uh, those types at uh, times I had, uh, that's why with John and, uh, some other people, you know, I, I encourage them memorize scripture now, mm-hmm. uh, when you get up in your sixties and it doesn't stick. Yeah. It's nice. And, uh, uh, you know, Moses, you know, in Deuteronomy says, these are not idle words. These are your very life, you know, and if we can come to understand what he really means by it, it's our very life, you know, mm. uh, uh, I think we would take it a little bit more seriously, you know, hide God's Word in, this, in our hearts, yeah. you know, and I'd encourage young people, you know, uh, uh, we got involved prior to even uh, uh, getting together um, during the summer doing uh, independent studies and then coming together, and we memorized a lot. Hmm. But after that, I'd have people say, you know, you really don't need to do that. And in a sense, it's, that's true. We don't need to memorize. You don't not gonna, have
2: to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: you don't have to. But man, I, I want to tell people you really want to ask God to give you the desire. You know, uh, I, I, J. I. Packer just passed away. You know, a few years ago, and um, his health declined at the end. You know, where he his eyes, uh, he couldn't read, and therefore he couldn't write and stuff. And they asked, "Do you really regret?" You know, not having any. He goes, "Well, sure, I miss it." But one thing I'm thankful for is I had all these years of being able to write and study God's words, and so I have it up in my head, and even though I can't read it now, I can reflect upon it. Mm. And that's why I say memorize it, you know, and get it in your head so that when you get to that point, you can reflect upon it. And the goodness of God that he's given to us in his word, uh, you know, he says, you know, Thy word is truth, you know sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. you know if you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, be in the Word of God, memorize it so that you can meditate it on all the time, you know
0: yeah.
1: uh, so it's right there for you.
0: yeah, I, one of the things I love about uh, you in general and your testimony is that um, yeah, oftentimes I'll meet with young guys who and young girls who have like a, a renewed vibrance to their faith. Maybe they just recently come to faith. And mm-hmm. so they think, I need to go get, get, get trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they have this energy that just says, I need to go evangelize. And so they think, mm-hmm. well, that means I must need to go into ministry full time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I, I love the story about how you just went and studied just for the sake of studying. And then you went and lived a, what you, some people might call a secular life, mm-hmm. right? And yet the whole time you're in church loving people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, and and even your your time at Trinity, uh, you know, hosting a community group, mm-hmm. being a part of studies, uh, Sandy hosting people in in the home all the time. Mm-hmm. There's really an important space for people who, who love Jesus and love the church mm-hmm. and aren't in full time ministry. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. and I, I think you guys exemplify that.
1: Yeah, well, thank oh, you. Nice. You know, uh, I, I I always remember that when I'm back, you know. Finished up junior college, and I'm going to move down to San Diego, and I thought life was going to be I'm going to get down to San Diego, away from my parents' influence, mm-hmm. and just set up a bar in the apartment. <laughs> that, and that, just, would that, the <laughs> that would be life. That would be life. Then everything would be set, right. you know, and that would be Beulah Land. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say when when the Lord got a hold of my life, I understood. No, uh, Beulah Land is knowing Jesus. Mm. And knowing his promises, uh, knowing that we have hope for all eternity. And you know uh, you know, I was never a very good student. That doesn't mean I wasn't, what I say smart and stuff like that. In fact, I was chided even in, in junior college. I had teachers come and pull me off into the counselor's office and say, "Why are you doing so poorly?" And I go, "Hey. I'm getting C's, what's the matter with that, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, but I was never a very good student. Uh, uh, sometimes I see other people and uh, a problem of coveting mm. their ability to. But, you know, I have to trust in the uh, sovereignty of God, that he's working everything out according to his eternal counsels, mm. even who my parents were, you know, mm. even... You know
2: Well when you were in school you never found anything that you were in love with to learn. Mm. Yes. And then when you were introduced with God's word yes. and your heart is yeah. just open. And I mean now he just sits there and he reads and he studies yeah. all the time and he loves, you know, that kind of stuff. It's a different thing when you're assigned something you're not even interested in, but yeah. you're trying to get it in there. Sure. And then somebody gives you a topic, so to speak, and all of a sudden you're like on fire for mm-hmm. it. It makes a a big yeah. difference, right? But the I'll say one thing, too, that we found when we were first married, and for a lot of years, we always did home groups. And we found that the love of God's Word and the love of God's people Mm. together. And so that has been a great blessing for us at Trinity. Um, And of course, we'd like to do it more again, Mm. you know, but uh, God works through His Word and He works through His people in our lives right? And what were the verses I just told you recently out of 1 Corinthians when it was Paul, and you say, I'm going to come to you and bring you a gift of whatever, and then you're going to bring me...
1: Mutual encouragement.
2: Mutual Mm -hmm. encouragement of stuff. And I mean, you were very sweet, but you said, when you come, you're encouraged with us. But we... I've gotten so much encouragement from so many people at this church. We have grown more in this five or six years we've been here at this by people investing in other people's lives, people investing in our lives, pastors investing in us. We actually have never been in a church like that before, mm-hmm. and so to have, if we just talked about it this morning, what what a difference it makes for your pastor to even know who you are,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And for us to know that we actually are a family, mm. right? And as a family members, we care for each other. We correct each other. Mm. We love each other. We encourage each other. We pick each other up. All of those things are um, have gone sort of hand in hand with yeah. the love for the Word of God, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And those, uh, you're talking about for laity. Those are laity things, right? Right. Again, I'm just reacting to your saying about Mm -hmm. the idea of that you have to, because when I was young, it was sort of only the people on the stage were the important people or anything. But now you realize God gives every one of us something to do, right? Mm -hmm. And there isn't a hierarchy of that's an important one, but that's not an important one. Loving each other. There's not going to be anything more important we're doing. And as we know God's word, he's transforming us. And we're sharing with each other what we're learning, and I don't know. It's been really uh, a fantastically uh, glorious, hmm. a glorious thing. Yeah. So.
1: So. You know, I, I, I call it my uh, my dark years, <laughs> um, and, and I regret those years, and I would. But again, that's in, within the sovereignty of God, you know. I'm sure Paul regretted, you know, hauling people off to jail and, mm, mm. and things like that and wishes. But God uses those dark years and stuff. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that Sandy's testimony, she didn't have those dark years. Mm. It's, it's totally different. She came to the Lord when she was, what, 14? 14. And so why don't you share how you came you to want the Lord? To hear yeah.
2: So I was 14, and I did not come from a Christian family. And uh, it was during the heyday of the Jesus movement Mm. 1970. And got invited to come to a Bible study by my English teacher Mm. and became a Christian at that. And then my sister and my brother, we all started going to the Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, the original one. Again, going every night of the week. And I wanted to be a missionary. That was my big uh, thing. I was always reading all the missionary books Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so uh, the pastor that was in San Diego told me in up in Orange County, he was from there too, that he was starting a school that was going to be for missionaries. And that's why I went down to San Diego to mm. that school. And so when we we got in the group that was prayer partners and had, it was the mission class that was going to go to Thailand, uh, and he became my prayer partner, from then on out, I mean, I just felt like, I don't have the dramatic story like you. I felt God got a hold of my heart, mm-hmm. and I fell in love with His Word. And so ever since then, I just had this deep love for the Word of God. And mm-hmm. it was, you know.
1: So so how I spoke have to us. I yeah. have to remind myself that her salvation was as much of a miracle as mine.
3: Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, even though God had to reach in deep into the darkness <laughs> to get a hold of me, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that word, where he says that uh, unless the Father uh, uh, draw you to Jesus, mm-hmm. you won't come. That that word is drag, mm-hmm. right? And it's used in James, and mm-hmm. it's used in uh, a, a couple other places. You know, it's you come reluctantly and stuff. But once once he got a hold of my life, uh, uh, you know, I could just really sense the difference between the darkness and the light, and but I look at her life and I go, no, she did it on her own. You know, you know, she mm. didn't. She she never. And I have to remind myself that all of our conversions yeah. are a miracle of God. Yeah. And the biggest thing I always wonder is why me, Lord? Why would you choose me? And so one of the hymns uh, that I love is 'Tis so sweet to tr- trust in Jesus.' And in the second chorus, it talks about just from sin and self. To cease, mm. And when I think of eternity, that phrase comes to my mind. I'm going to be so relieved, you know, that Romans 7 concept, yeah, you know. Yeah. The battle. I'm, the mm-hmm. battle that I have with myself. I see my own sinfulness, you know, uh, the attitudes. And I go, where did that come from? You know, James says it just comes up from the inside. And, mm. and uh, you know, you, you try to eradicate that out of your life. But that's not going to happen until... Yeah. We see Jesus face to face. And that's one of the great hopes I have, you know, just uh, to be transformed so radically like that that I, I don't have to deal with myself anymore, mm. whatever that is on, inside of us. You yeah. know, just uh, it's a very freeing thought, exciting thought to me, you know. And as we get closer to <clears throat> departing uh, from this side of eternity, Uh, it it excites me, you know, Mm, Uh, just to know what lies ahead for us, you know, that uh, the aches and pains that we have now with these bodies will be received new bodies and uh, righteousness will reign. You know, we look in our world today and we don't see that happening. And we have just a tremendous amount of hope that we have in the Lord, you know, not only for eternity, but even for right now, you know, and, uh, one of my regrets is I wish I could have learned to trust him even more earlier, you Mm know, um, I can remember, you know, getting a flat tire and just kicking the car and God, God, why did you let this happen to me? You know, (laughs) you know, and, you know, God still lets us go through daily experiences, things like that, sicknesses, things like that, getting laid off, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things we haven't talked about two years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer. And when we first diagnosed was we sat down and uh, together and we just looked at each other and we said, you know, even though this is here, we cannot deny how good God has been to us for over these 40 years. Mm-hmm and we have to trust he is good and he knows what he's doing with this right now Mm -hmm. uh, for us. And, you know, I am a selfish human being and I keep on working on sitting there and thinking that we were created for God's glory and trying to get myself to accept that rather than just self-preservation and just say, I am here for God's glory. Whatever he wants to do I need to accept that, you know as his good and perfect will, uh, not only for me, but for how he's working out everything according to his eternal counsels mm-hmm. and uh, I have to work on those things all the time and, and and one thing i I'd say to people is this, for me, you I don't think it's wrong to go back and question your salvation. Mm. I think God allows us to do that to solidify our foundation even more yeah. You know, we go through these dry periods or trials and things like that. But it drives me to his word again. Mm. And uh I don't know if we know how blessed we are to have the written word. Mm-hmm. You know?
2: We talked about this just the other day and we said, you know, when you get to that point where you're thinking, maybe not am I say, but you think, does God love me? Did he forget me? Or something mm-hmm. like that? And we talked about well, you know what we do? We go back and we read the Gospel of John. Mm. And Jesus tells us how much he loves us. Yes. He tells us what he's done for us. And it just softens your heart back up, yeah. you know. Uh, it it doesn't really good to do a lot of good to psychoanalyze, mm. you know. But it does a lot of good to back and forth discuss and challenge each other and say, well, why would we think this? Why do we think that God does love us? He said
3: so,
2: yeah. right? It doesn't even do any good to hear, well, maybe I'm uh, No, he said so. Hmm. He said so. And this is what he said. This is what he said he's doing. This is what he said he's preparing for us. And then you hold on to those things. And you remind yourself, like we, we the expression, preach your go- the gospel to yourself every day. You preach the gospel to yourself, right? And uh, through this whole thing, because there's, sto- there's sorrow, there's grief. There's fear, Mm. there's things that come up, and you say every single time, you can go back to a lot of the great hymns and sing those hymns, you know, whatever my God ordains is right, Mm. you know, a lot of those things, God's not offended or shocked if you're crying while you're singing those things, right? And you're saying, help us, help us, Lord, and he always does. Mm. Now, the the eventual help for all of us will be we get to go be with him. Mm. That's the ultimate help, right? But we can say, I need mercy right now, I need grace right now, give me strength right now, wisdom right now, mm-hmm. all of those things. And he answers
1: those kind of prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so why Sandy's talking about that, I have to say, one one of the greatest blessings God's given to me is Sandy. Mm. And one of the greatest blessings about her is... Uh, in the in the home i grew up my my dad uh, really loved the lord and unfortunately my mom wasn't quite a, as supportive as maybe i should have i would have liked to see you know mm. like um but sandy has been so supportive in the lord and made, uh, we we love going to church on the way home we talk about the sermon uh we get up in the morning we read stuff we share what we've been reading and just share over the word of God. And just to have a, a a helpmate like that Mm. has been an unbelievable blessing to me, you know, Mm. uh, in light of how I saw my parents relationship, you know, my dad didn't have that, you know, and God has blessed me with that. And again, why, you know, and if I would have listened to my friends and gone after somebody that surfed and was a beach Mm -hmm. bunny and, you know, uh, athletic and things like that, uh, I would have never had that, you know, in a sense. But uh, just that attraction to her love for the Lord that God gave me, you know, and I, I, I appreciate it to this day. And over these last two years since I've been diagnosed with a, a cancer, um, you know, God has even drawn us even closer together. Mm. And just the the relationship and uh, just her care for me has been unbelievable, you know, just uh And God, you know, meeting us, uh, you know, at the different, you know, segments of uh, this, in a sense, journey that we've been on, you know, uh, uh, has been unbelievable. God has been good to us no matter what happens, you know. I've had a great life, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, You know, there's one psalm, you know, he he talks about, you know, there gets... um, down. And he says, but what I will appeal to is, you know, all the things that God has done in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partly why we need to study God's word. I think often about, you know, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail, you know, sitting there, God allows them to cast out this spirit out of this little girl do these miracles and stuff and next thing, you know they're in the marketplace getting beaten and everything else and then at 12 o'clock at night they don't even have their wounds cleaned up they're in shackles and they're singing and praising god and i go how do i get to that point mm-hmm. whereas i would be sitting there god you gave me the ability to do these miracles we should win philip philippi, uh, the Phil- philippi to you know the lord and stuff everything should go right and here. I'd be kicking and screaming the whole way and go, how do you get to that point? And over the years uh, of thinking about that, I've come to the point where I believe it's because Paul knew his Old Testament and saw God's sovereignty in history, Mm -hmm. that he could trust him and sing and praise him. And even though a horrible thing had happened, he could say... This is within the will of God. God is aware of what's going on. I will, I, I will praise Him. Yeah. I, I'm going to praise Him in this,
0: trusting in His goodness and His And good. that's why we yeah.
1: need, you know, and Paul even talk about it, you know, how we the the, the Old Testament was written for our encouragement and mm-hmm. our hope, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to know our Bible so that we can get to that point. And that's why I wish that I would. Was a better student. I would have used my time better to even know it better than I know it now. Uh, you know, just to have a more solid trust in God's sovereignty.
0: Yeah. And it's it's clear that Paul does have that. It just, you know, as we're going through the book of Romans on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of allusions and references to the book of mm-hmm. Isaiah. And so now, as we're going through Isaiah and over the summer, mm-hmm. it's really clear how much of the language of that concept of God's sovereignty over all of his creation Mm -hmm. does buoy Paul in his letter. Gives him comfort.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, We build our trust up in the Lord, you know, so that when we do get slammed with something that we might think is a tragedy, you know, we can sit there and say, no, God's still in control. Mm -hmm. And God loves us. And, you know, our life and times are in his hands. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say... I don't have that, but it could be stronger. You know, I, I sit there and, and I watch what's going on in our society now and I wonder how, you know, in particular our, part, our politicians on both sides of the aisle, I go, how do you live without the hope of the Lord? Hmm. You, a lot of you are very elderly. What are you hoping for next? You got the, all the money you need, you got the power you want, but that's going to that's not going to suffice for all eternity. Mm. That's going to be gone. You can make lands and name them after yourself, but <laughs> God says, so what? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh it's going to be gone. What are you hoping for? Mm. And that's what I like to ask people is when I talk to them I go, "Well, what are your plans?" And somebody might be in college, "Well, I'm going to graduate and get a job." And then what? Well, then I'm going to get married. And Then what? Well, then we're going to have family. And then what? Mm. Well, I'm going to work for you know 40 years and retire. And Then what? Mm. Well, then we're going to enjoy our grandkids. Then what? And basically where we're headed to it is when you're on your deathbed, do you have something to look forward to or are you only looking back mm. a past, uh, what, what you had?
0: Yeah.
1: I have something to look forward to. Mm. Christ gives us something to look forward to.
0: Well, uh, from either of you, any sort of things that you would love for, uh, particularly younger people to, uh, to hear from, from you, Rob, I've heard, uh, uh, this repetition of a, des- you should desire to want the word. If you don't desire it, then desire to, to desire it. Uh, and to, to get in the word, Sandy, any thoughts from you? Gosh. What would you tell Especially a young Sandy?
2: The young Sandy, okay. uh, I would say all of those things, especially the things, that, it wasn't really going on when I was a younger gal, but the things of, you know, you do you mm. and you be, mm-hmm. uh, that there is a great blessing and glory in serving mm. others instead of serving yourself. Mm. So I, I guess I'm adjusting, uh, addressing young ladies, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so much of this stuff comes up over, well, you know, I can't, you know, just have children and have a husband and, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not saying that, so I'm not anti-woman having a career or anything, but I'm saying the idea that thinking it's a lesser thing
3: mm-hmm.
2: to, you know, and all the time when he's uh, been quite ill, you know, and I'm taking care of me, he's always, oh, I thank you so much for sure, uh, taking care of me. And I say, I, I love to take care of you, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think... Um, in every kind of aspect, I suppose it could be a, at your job, too, or whatever it was at, I think we need to guard our hearts, in sense, and for young gals to learn, maybe turn off a lot of uh, social media and mm-hmm. stuff that's teaching them things that are not in the Bible, mm-hmm. that are uh, antithesis, mm-hmm. too. And it's teaching, I probably to the men, too, be selfish. Mm-hmm. If you take care of yourself first... You can't take care of anybody else till you take care of yourself. No, that's not right. Mm-hmm. You can take care of everybody first and then and serve. And you can do that with your children. You can do that with your husband. You could do it with roommates. You could do it with uh, the people at your job. And, you know, um, I always think of Geneva mm. Gentle mm-hmm. when I think of that, that dear lady. Where did you always see her? She was in that kitchen working. Mm-hmm. She was cleaning up. Uh... She always had a sweet word to say to you of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a servant heart. Yeah. And I would say for people, so again, I guess male and female, pray God gives you a servant heart. Mm. And then you'll see how selfish your own heart really is. Because <laughs> if you think you already have that, you don't have it till you start trying to do it and you go... Wait a minute, what about me? God goes, Yeah, you know, I thought you said you wanted to serve in heart, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, I see that almost more than anything else when I hear the young women and the things they can com- complain about or worry about or fret about or say, But I thought I was supposed to do this or that. That would really tie into what I was saying. If you're hiding God's word in your heart, mm. you're being transformed, yeah. and His word h- itself is is working on those very self-centered things that we have, you know.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, guys.
1: Oh, no problem. I you know, love talking about the Lord. Appreciate all the work you do there at the church. Um, all your sweet
2: visits here. This is the
1: You know, what, one thing I, I, I wish that the Christian community would know is better, that we would understand just exactly what is the church, mm-hmm. that we're a family, mm-hmm. and what that really means. Mm-hmm. That we are a family and stuff, and just the outpouring of cards and like I say, calls and stuff that we've had over the last two years and stuff. I, I've been learning a little bit more about that. You know, mm. uh, we don't just come to church as individuals and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, we truly are, you know, this family, this the, the, the temple of, of of God, and uh, I don't think that we experience it as much as the reality of it. it uh, as much oh, as sure. we truly could, you know, and it's partly the day and age we live in, you know, we all drive, drive. our cars there, you know, sure. we, we don't have, you know, donkeys and stuff and live in a community and, <laughs> and, and, and relying on each other, you know, just being neighbors and stuff. You know, I think that uh, uh, hinders it uh, somewhat, but uh, if we meditate on it a little bit more. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, the church is a family, and I'm honored to be related to you guys.
1: Oh, Spiritual same thing. Yeah. We, we, we love your ministry. We, we we thank you so much for it.
0: You want to close us in a word of prayer, Sandy? Sure.
1: All right.
2: Well, Father God, we do come to you. We've spoken a lot about you this afternoon. We want to take a minute just to talk to you and thank you for this time. We do thank you for Malachi and what he's meant in our lives, his mm-hmm. kindness he's shown to come and visit us many times here, and uh, his uh, attention to detail when he teaches, uh, his clarity that he brings to difficult passages, we really appreciate all of those things, Lord. So I pray you would bless him and Melissa and the kids. uh, Have your hand on each one of them as they grow mature in the Lord. Uh, I pray you would bless even this new adventure that he starts on with uh, taping, some talks, that your hand would be on that that they could be used in other people's lives as well. Now we just ask that you would go with us this very day, that our hearts would be a little more turned towards you, our lives would be transformed to look a little bit more like you just from being here this few minutes. Thank you, Lord. We do love you. In Jesus' name.